Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, you know, things are a little hairy right now with the Delta variant. Um, the good thing, though, is that there's a the dairy block is gorgeous. And there's great places to sit outside. That's where I had my birthday a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, we sat outside. Everyone was vaccinated. It, I felt completely safe. It was a great environment, enjoying great wine with great friends. So, I would highly suggest if you're going to go down to Blanche Family Vines, they got options to sit outside. If you want to sit outside uh, and enjoy maybe that 2017 Cabernet I've been telling you about for couple years or you can try anything you know their pinot you can get they've got a whole array of whites they got partnerships with western slope wineries um really local colorado business that needs your support during these times it's kind of a sketchy period right now uh if you're vaccinated go out and hang out with some other vaccinated people downtown in the dairy block like i said you could sit outside and and enjoy some a great gathering with great friends worry free once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Go to bfwdenver.com, pick yourself up a bottle or some swag uh, for delivery or shipment or whatever you need. You can also book an appointment if you want to get a, have a large party for a reservation. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, uh, we got the... Uh, something spurred this memory in my brain, and it, I'm going to be doing this a lot off the top of my head here. Uh, look things up, but a lot of this has to do with the, uh, the Nuggets' previous owners in the 90s, and uh, the Nuggets and Avalanche. And how the a movie that came out in 24 years ago, in 1997, as of a couple days ago, um, really helped them stabilize their financial situation. Um, and this is an interesting kind of kooky story. Um, the Nuggets have a lot of kooky stories as far as their management goes. One really kind of negative story that happened in 89, which I've covered on this, on this podcast, but another, you know, several of which are really kind of uh, one of those the footnotes in NBA and, uh, you know, sports uh, ownership history that is really kind of cool. Um, and... I'm going to give you some background. So the first half of the podcast before the DraftKings read, I'm going to talk to you about the prehistory leading up to it, and then I'm going to talk to you about what happened as a result. So to kind of give you some background information, CompSet uh, was a communications satellite corporation um, company that started in the late 60s. Um, they became the Nuggets majority owners um, in 1989 after, as I've discovered before, the, the Peter Bino and Bertram Lee didn't have the money to purchase the team. Uh, a deal was brokered with uh, David Stern, the commissioner, the de then commissioner of the NBA, to uh, allow Bino and Lee to become the, the managing partners with CompSat to own the remaining 60, I think it was like 62.5% of the team on the back end. Um, and, uh, as things 
happened. Both Bino and League couldn't afford to run the team. A lot of mismanagement happened. And by 1992, CompSet owned the Denver Nuggets completely. Um, during the same time, uh, the president of the Denver Nuggets was uh, Tim Laiwiki. Uh, Tim Laiwiki, who is now a big mover and shaper, shaker in the Oakville group up in uh, Seattle, at the time he was a, uh, a guy who, well, when he came to the Nuggets, he was came to rescue the Nuggets. Um, he came to rescue the Nuggets financially and to put them on a better footing uh, with the league because of the horrendous, absolutely horrendous mismanagement of, of Bino and Lee. Um, so much so that there was some serious question whether the Nuggets were going to be able to survive. Uh, Stern uh, recognizes his own part in the Nuggets issues, um, encourages Comset to hire Tim Laiwiki as team general manager and president, or excuse me, president, and with uh, Bernie Bickerstaff as general manager. So Laiwiki comes in and he really starts making moves, uh, and it really sets the conditions for the 93-94 Nuggets. Um, a lot of good decisions were made. And financially, the Nuggets were doing a lot better by 1994. By the 94-95 season, the Nuggets had sold out every single game at uh, McNichols Arena, and that was the first time that had happened since 1976. Now, the Liwiki, by this point, uh, by 1995 is really getting frustrated because he wants a new arena for the Denver Nuggets. Um, and he, had to, due to Comset divesting its, like, it, it hadn't happened yet. It was like, there was a couple different entities. It was like a Rocky Mountain sports group or whatever. The Comset really the, had no interest in owning the Denver Nuggets. Um, they were cajoled into it by Robert Wessler, their former CEO, uh, and by 92, he was gone. Um, and Wessler's uh, own mismanagement is le legendary. But he uh, was no longer CEO, and Comsat really had no, didn't no desire to own the Denver Nuggets. This is a satellite company that specialized in getting uh, like videos and the streaming videos into hotels. And... That was their big thing, and then they ended up uh, in the late, in the early two thousands, merging with Lockheed Martin in like some sort of like several billion dollar deal. That's how big this company was. But convincing the Comset shareholders to do anything sports related was like pulling teeth. So they divested the not really divested, but they put they put the Nuggets into an offshoot company, and Tim Liwicky was the president of that company. Liwicky was been along with Phil Anschutz was beating their heads against the brick wall trying to get a new arena for the Nuggets. It started with public pleading and uh, eventually went to shareholder pleading uh, in '95. Liwicky, the brainchild um, of his, you know, the whole conception of what he wanted, uh, centered around bringing another team in, so the shareholders of uh, the new, what would then become Ascent Entertainment Group. Um, the, the grand scheme of things is, is he thought a hockey team 
another winter sports team to occupy the arena would help convince a sense shareholders to what would become a sense shareholders to invest in an arena. So Liwicky engineered a a sale of the to uh, to from Quebec of the Nordiques to uh, what was to become Ascent, and they were brought to Colorado in 1995, shortly after the season ended, the 94-95 season ended. And this was an interesting interesting move because Colorado hadn't had hockey since the early 80s when the, the Colorado Rockies, who were they were known at the time, were a spectacular fail, failure in Denver. A terrible team with... Colorful people, but a ten, just Denver didn't show any real interest at that time in hockey. There was a small, yet dedicated following, you know, when Don Cherry was the coach. You know, it's a, I'll leave it to hockey experts to tell the story of the original Colorado Rockies, who became the New Jersey uh, Devils. Um, so the the... Colorado Avalanche, as they're renamed, are in Denver, and it was part of Liwicky's gambit to um, get an arena built. And and he had to do that because it was it was understood through various channels that privately funding the arena would be a more likely way to get the arena built than say trying to do it publicly because on. on Unfortunately for the Nuggets, the Broncos were trying to get a new stadium at the same time, and guess who's going to get approved? It's always going to be the Broncos, even though it took several years for that process to play out. Unfortunately for the Nuggets, uh, this process of trying to get a new arena was played out over several years. By this time, Liwicky has had enough, and really it was the roadblocks he was facing with the arena that caused him to leave, and he ends up going to Anschutz's uh, uh, AEG um, and going out to L.A. when he was with AEG for years and years, building his cred and running the various sports offshoots and empires and stadiums and concerts that AEG had. Um, But he was the brainchild of this, and he's the one who started the ball rolling for a new arena. In 1995, Ascent, now Ascent, uh, invests in Beacon Entertainment, which is a uh, a kind of a, how you put it, a, a film production. Um, one of those things is kind of like Touchstone, one of those, one of those film production entities, um, and they had a major hand in an upcoming movie that was coming out in a few years called Air Force One. And it was uh, this investment that Ascent made into this, um, unbeknownst to many people, because I don't, I don't think most people understood that Ascent owned Beacon, was an investor in Beacon, and were going to benefit financially from any sort of movie. It was, it, it was later, you know, Charlie Lyons by this point had taken over as the head of Ascent. And um, it was it was it was an odd time because the Nuggets had just come off a season where they sold out every single game, but there was turmoil happening. The Avalanche come in in the ninety five ninety six season and immediately win a Stanley Cup. 
and the Ascent shareholders became more inclined to listen to uh, various executives about the possibility of having and the benefits of having a privately owned arena in Denver. So, long story short, the Avs win the cup. The Nordiques had already like been on the on the climb up. They had been on the ascent. So, a lot of the contracts that the Avalanche had by 1997 were coming up. It was it was you got to pay the piper. Now, one thing you need to understand about the NHL is that even with the Nuggets being an awful team by the time the late 90s roll around, um, they were still in, due to NBA's revenue sharing and their financial splits, they were still in relatively okay financial shape. Um, the hockey always seemed to lose money, even with mega, like, I mean, the Avalanche always had great attendance at McNichols Arena. Um, because the onerous financial split between the players and the owners, which was, I believe it's, I think at that point, it was 75% players, 25% owners, as far as what is known as hockey-related income, um, which obviously led to a few lockouts in the 2000s. So there was that kind of hovering around. No one knew how much Ascent was going to be able to do that. The largely Ascent left the Avalanche alone. Uh, kind of like what the Cronkies have done with uh, the Avalanche. The, there is a there's just a feeling that they knew how to run their ship, and you know, the hockey hockey people are tend to be kind of parochial about their own thing. So they left him alone, and, and Pierre Lacroix was probably one of the best, if not the best, big general manager of anything in in Denver sports history. The guy got two Stanley Cups, so that kind of tells you something. 1997 rolls around in 96-97 season, and uh, that's the year after the Avs won the Stanley Cup. The Nuggets are a direct team that is falling apart by this point, and the Avalanche are still one of the best teams in uh, the NHL. Joe Sackick's contract comes up, and there's a real feeling that they, after he signs a offer sheet from the New York Rangers, there's a real feeling that... Sackick would have to leave because of the various financial problems that Ascent was having at the time uh, due to the fact that this, the NHL just never made any money. And they needed capital big time. Well, coincidentally, they'd been funding this Air Force One movie through Be Beacon Entertainment. Uh, and what happens is their investment turns into a movie that made over $300 million in 1997, up against movies like Men in Black, right? You know, it was that summer. And it was, such, it was a great, great move because it made Ascent a truckload of money. Just an enormous amount of money, more money than they had ever made from the Denver Nuggets or Colorado Avalanche. Well, this in turn allowed them to sign 
Joe Sackick. This this money that they got because Beacon was actually the main studio that was there was other studios there's Touchstone Entertainment too that was like had a financial stake in this but the return on investment was enormous for the for Ascent because they were the primary through Beacon they were the primary investor in Air Force One and due to the way movies break uh, you get points too. So this, in turn, allowed Beacon to collect money through rentals and all the all those things like that. So, and as long as that movie was is generating money, and it probably still does to this day, Beacon Entertainment, Ascent Entertainment Group, collected money. On the other side, we are going to talk about uh, the kind of the kind of the, the, the fallout from this and, and the other side t- tangential things that were able to happen due to um, ComSat slash Ascent slash Beacon's uh, investment in Air Force One. Alrighty, before I get started on the rest of this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Um, my friends all love DraftKings. Uh, I've got like three or four friends who actively use it, um, and they rave about it. And and that's one of the things you can do. You just talk to your friends about if they are, um, you know, participating in sports betting. Um, I, I can guarantee you, um, some of them or majority of them will be using DraftKings Sportsbook. And this is why you should too. Speaking of America, our top athletes are... Over in Tokyo, competing for the gold, and DraftKings has metal-worthy, a metal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager on $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free site credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds if an American athlete to stand for an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around that often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That is code MHS to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. To kind of sum up where uh, things kind of were breaking at that point in time, uh, the battle between Ascent... Comsat and um, the Nuggets and Avalanche, as far as interest goes, never went away after Air Force One comes out. The lucky break of investing in a Harrison Ford movie at the peak of his powers in the mid '90s was what they needed to fund, help justify funding what became Pepsi Center. And brokering a deal with the city of Denver in 1997 to get a kind of a land lease deal where the city collected 
property taxes on the land that they were on for a certain amount of time. Um, it was kind of actually worked out to be a pretty sweet deal for the city of Denver. Because um, they own the land, just not the building. So it was they were allowed to, to start this process largely because the financial assurance of Ascent investing in Air Force One through Beacon, not only did it help them sign Joe Sackick, it kind of stabilized things financially through a rough period of time in the late 90s that, unfortunately for, for uh, the Denver Nuggets, was one of the worst, if not the worst, periods of basketball you've ever seen in the city of Denver. Um, there was a lot of issues that sprung forth from this. What it unfortunately did was kind of make it clear to ComSat that they didn't want to be in the sports entertainment business. And shortly after um, Air Force One comes out, they have an agreement to sell Ascent to Liberty Media. Liberty made the deal contingent on them selling the Nuggets and Avalanche. So this started a three-year hellacious, awful, awful period where the Nuggets went through four different owners and it caused so much chaos that at one point Dan Issel said, I can't get any trades done. Uh, it was in 2000, shortly before they were sold. To, 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 this is while they were nominally sold to um, Donald Sturm. He says, I can't get anything approved. I've got to go through three different owners in order to get a trade approved, anything financially. It was It was awful. And until July 7th, 2000, from 97, summer of 97 to summer of 2000, the Nuggets were in, in limbo. And so were the Avalanche. But the Avalanche were a team that was left alone by Ascent. They were really a team, because they had such good management through LaCroix, they were able to just do what they needed to do get, to get things done. Though, meanwhile, the Nuggets went through. From 97, they had Alan Bristow, Dan Issel, and Kiki Vandeway, all as uh, general managers. They had Bill Hanslick, Mike D'Antoni, Dan Issel uh, as coaches. Uh, it, was, it was chaotic, and it was bad. And a lot of that had to do with Ascent just getting, just, you know, this, this, Liberty didn't want to be in the sports-owning business. John Malone lives out here in, well, he used to, but John Malone, the owner of Liberty Media, um, oh, lives out here in Denver, uh, is a mega billionaire, almost on par with uh, Phil Anschutz, and now he owns the Atlanta Braves. So he changed his mind shortly after this, and he owns 7% of the Nuggets and Avalanche and Pepsi Center. But the success of Air Force One kind of was the curse. It really was the, 
the beginning of ascent of Comsat saying we don't want to be in the sports. It's like they knew it anyway, but it was like the coup de grace. Like we can do things, we can like sell off this entertainment product while it's riding high from Air Force One, which is what they did. Unfortunately, it took forever for the Nuggets to sell and Avalanche to sell and Pepsi Center. They put all. Now I I I will tell you this, and this is going to be another podcast. The 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 hell that went through that that <laughs> that was the construction of Pepsi Center was is something else. Uh Pepsi Center um nearly sunk completely um ascent. Uh because the cost overruns were absolutely enormous. And they had really begun doing it before the the process of doing building the arena before uh Air Force One comes out. And during that two-year period before the Pepsi Center opens, um, it got worse and worse and worse because of all the bentonite and railroad tailings that are in that Tivoli area that they were building on. It just became a nightmare, an absolute nightmare to build that arena. It opens up in 99, and Ascent, by that point, was like swimming in debt. They wanted to get rid of it. So that is another story that I will tell at another time. But Air Force One, a movie starring Harrison Ford, really did cause a, a through multiple reasons, it, it was enabled the, the Nuggets to kind of float, even though they were a terrible team. And it allowed the Avalanche the money to sign Joe Sackick and really keep that team that was so good together. Because there really was some doubt as to whether they were going to be able to do that. And the luck of Harrison Ford saying, get off my plane, really is the is what caused your Denver Nuggets, your Colorado Avalanche, and eventually your Pepsi Center slash Ball Arena to exist. All right. I'd like to thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. If Adrian Dater is listening to this, if you have any questions about this, direct them to him. I'm sure I got some stuff wrong. He's got a more in-depth view of the uh, what happened with the avalanche. I can kind of tell you this on a, a larger business level, but he's got the lowdown for for the uh, for what specifically happened with the avalanche. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me on this one. I'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye.